I do want to say to those of you who've been coming out and praying and also to those of you who have taken it upon yourself to join us in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to say a thank you. I also want to say how proud I am of you for taking that step. I know it's a challenge to, to, to say for 21 days, I'm going to do without something so that I can get closer to God. But I think that you're, you're seeing the benefit of it. And you can sense God a lot better than what you did before. And so, we, like I said, we start out our year every year with this time of prayer and fasting. I think it's so essential to us in the life of our church and what God, it, it really just sets the tone for the year. And so I just want to say thank you and how proud I am of you guys for taking that step with us. And I believe you're going to see the fruit of it in your life uh, this year. Amen. And so I want to jump into the message today. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. In the last couple of weeks, we've just been talking about focus, getting some focus for our life, getting some focus for our faith. And today I want to talk about getting some focus for your future, getting some focus for your future. And we've been using Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26 as our text, the entire series. There's so much in it. And today I want to use that to talk about our future. So let's go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. You can follow along. On the screens, if you do not have a Bible with you today, Mark 8, verse 22, it says, When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, yes, you just read that. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? And the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people. But I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. And Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for this day. For every single person that is in this room. For every child that is in our children's ministry today. Thank you, Lord, that you have something you want to do in our lives. Something you want to speak to us. And so right now, we just open our hearts to you. We open our ears to hear what it is that you want to say. And Father, I pray, God, that you would just simply use me to be a good representative of you, God. I pray this message today will set the course for our year. I pray, God, that you will use this today, Father, to be a guide, to help us, Father, to be the men and women that you are calling us to be. I pray against every ounce of confusion, everything that the enemy would do to try to distract any person in this room today. Every thought that may come against them. Father, I rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, God, that we will hear a clear word from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's recap, okay? Uh, I'm going to recap a little bit. Week one, we talked about having focus for your year. And really, in order to find focus, because a lot of us, we, we, we tend to focus on certain areas of our lives that need work. And as a result of focusing on that one thing, other areas of our life seem to get out of order. And then we're chasing everything, trying to get it back. And so this year I had to focus on this. Well, now, next year I need to focus on that because I feel like this is good, but now I'm focusing on that, and now this ain't good. And so I'm all over the place. And so what we said was, if we will focus on Jesus, focus on him, he will help us find focus for 
all these other areas of our lives. And I believe that as we've been praying and fasting, many of you, you're beginning to recognize that. How many of you, you've, you've already noticed there's a little bit of a change in your attitude already. You've noticed just the way you approach things. It's like something is happening to you. And really what it is, it's, it's God's spirit. As he's, as he's filling you up, you're beginning to respond and react the way that he does instead of the way that you do. And so whenever we find our focus, when we focus on God, he helps us find our focus for all these other areas of our lives. And that's where things really, really begin to change. And then last week we talked about faith and how it is, how important it is to have faith. It's really the foundation of what we're believing, who we're believing, all these things. This is what we said. What I do with my faith is going to determine the direction of my life. What I, I Listen, if you want to believe that the worst is going to happen, go ahead and believe it, but go ahead and expect it to happen. But if you choose to believe that the best is yet to come, you're going to see the best. Because faith is how we see. It's not what we see. It's how we see. And a lot of times we're just looking at whatever's coming our way and interpreting everything from it. We're building our belief system from all the different things in our lives instead of building our lives on a solid belief in Christ Jesus. And if we build our lives on that solid rock, even if the winds and the storms come, we won't fall. Why? Because we've got a solid foundation. So that was last week. Today, though, I want to talk to you about future, the future. This is something that as long as I've been a minister, as long as I've been preaching, this is something that people love to talk about. They want to talk about the future and what is to come to my life. And so I think I can remember doing youth ministry when they were young and they wanted to get married someday. They just couldn't wait to talk about the future. Who am I going to marry? Like, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? And what are we going to do? I'm going to be the richest man in the world. All these different thoughts. And you know what I found out is that doesn't change as you get older. We're still trying to figure out what it's going to look like five years from now, ten years from now. And don't you just love it whenever somebody wants to pop it up, hey, what's your five-year plan? Don't you just love that when you're like, look, I'm just trying to figure out the next five minutes. All right, just back off, Jack, all right? I mean, we're going to get there. But right now, I just need to know what's going to happen in the next five minutes because my kids are driving me crazy. Anybody relate? And all the five-year people are like, y'all need to get a plan. Okay. We're coming up with one, don't you worry. When you look at this story in Mark chapter 8, and I, I'm telling you, I'm really loving this story right here. Because there's so much that's coming from it. This man found his sight. Helped him, God helped him find some focus for his life. This man displayed his faith. He followed Jesus before he can even see where he was taking him. That's faith, by the way. I will follow before I see it. I believe it before I see it. I'm impressed with that kind of faith. But now, today, I want you to consider the future this man now has because of this encounter with Jesus. I want you to consider how much his life is going to change now that he can see. Now, I want to say something. There's people on this planet that cannot see, that see more than people who have eyesight. I just want to put that right there. This man, he couldn't see, but now there's a miracle that takes place in his life. And I want you to think about how his future is changing now because he has sight, he has focus, he has vision. It's changing his life. If he has a family, I want you to consider the difference this is making in all of his interactions. 
I want you to consider the difference this is making and all the practicalities of his life. I mean, this, this is changing this man's life. This is pretty significant. Like sometimes, that's why I'm saying sometimes we read the Bible, we don't read it fully. We just read that one part, like what can I get out of it? But when you really start looking at the big picture of this, think about how much this man's employment opportunities have expanded now that he has his sight. There's so many things now. It's like things are opening up for him because he's able to see. Now, this is a natural miracle that took place. What happens when a supernatural miracle takes place in our life and our eyes are open to see the things that God has for us? The possibilities are wide open now that I can see because it is possible to stand in church and not see all that God has for you because our focus isn't fixed. And we miss out on incredible things that God has for us thinking God doesn't want us to have them. God doesn't want to do that in my life. When God's like, hey, 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 I'm doing it. God, I don't see you. I don't see you. That's because you're looking at everything else. I didn't see you, God. I was there. I just didn't see you. That's like somebody saying, hey, I was at church Sunday. I didn't see you. I was there. Saw you. I didn't see you. Maybe you weren't looking. I wonder if that's what's happening to us a lot in our life with God. This man, his personal engagements, his responsibilities are no longer just sense. But now they're seen. And really, his life's never going to be the same because of this miracle. However, the most important thing that has occurred here, and I need you to grab this today, is not what he is going to see. This is so important. The most important thing that's happened in this man's life, it's not what he is going to see now that this miracle has taken place, but it is who this man has seen and who this man has encountered that will forever change his life. In other words, you won't be able to undo what has happened. He has seen Jesus Face to face, he has seen, the first thing he sees is Jesus. And this changes everything for his life. And I just wonder if we can seek him first, how much other stuff in our life it's going to change. If we could just see him first, it changes our future when we see him first. Because he saw Jesus. He's now able to get all the other areas of his life in focus. Because he saw him. Look, he couldn't see before. But Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm going to take you out of this village. But you come with me. Do the miracle. And now everything changes for you. Your whole future is changed because now you can see. And what is it, though, that he's got to remember that helps him keep his focus? I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. Stories like this just pump me up so much because it just makes it so obvious that if we could just see the Lord, if we would just put him first, seek him first, all these other things in our life is going to fall in place. So when it comes to the future, we want to know what it's going to look like. What's the next couple of years? What's it going to look like at the end of this year? Businessman, what's it going to look like at the end of the quarter? What's it going to look like at the end of this year? 
What's our, fam- what's our kids going to look like by the time they finish elementary school, by the time they finish middle school, by the time they finish high school? If you're a college student, you're going like, what's this going to look like? What's the job market going to look like whenever I graduate? Is there going to be an opportunity for me? We're trying to, to look at the future and then work our way back. If I can see the future, then I can work my way back and plan everything according to it. And there's no guarantees that that's going to happen. We don't know the opportunities that are going to come our way. I can tell you there's probably a majority of the people in here that set their mind whenever they were finishing school, set their mind on a certain career and are not doing it today. How many of you, that's you? You say, I mean, you're like, I'm going to college for this. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And now you ain't even close to it. Might still be paying for school too. Right? I'm not discouraging education. What I'm saying is we're trying to figure everything out down the road. But I think there's some things like, right now that we need to figure out before you can get there you got to get here amen so what happens is this because of the anxiety we're anxious to know details so that we can plan accordingly we prepare we're trying to make sure god i'm doing a good steward of everything you've given me we pray prayers asking god to tell us all about our future and it's almost like we go to god like he's a fortune teller like a little magic eight ball. How many of y'all have one of them little magic eight balls back in the day? How many of you ever made a decision to date a person off of the magic eight ball? Reese, put your hand down. Your wife's right there. Here it is. Should I ask her out? Not a chance. Should I ask out? You're like two out of three. It's like we go to God. Because we, we want him to tell us, like, be like a fortune teller. And this is what I found with God. I don't know about you, but I prayed a little bit in my day. When every time I try to ask God about the long-term stuff, he tells me nothing. Anybody with me? Y'all know what I'm talking about? He just doesn't tell me stuff. Or he tells me something so vague. It's like, what? Where are you at, bro? Like, I don't understand. Like, give me something clear. Roadmap this thing, and he doesn't tell me. And sometimes, and I've really gotten to the point in my life where I realized that's probably a good idea. Am I right? It's probably a good idea because there are so many things on the journey that we would miss because we're so laser focused on getting there as fast as we can. Like, let me get there as fast as I can so I don't have to worry about anything. Not realizing that if I got there too soon, I might not be prepared for what I get to. You know what I'm saying? Got there too soon. The door wasn't open. The gate wasn't open. And in back of chapter 2, there's this request to God that went up about the future. Now, this verse is used a lot in vision. And I, I, I do not like being cliche. Every now and then, a little corny joke for you. But I don't like being cliche. Y'all like the corny jokes. I can tell you laugh at every one of them. But I don't like being cliche, and it's hard because this verse right here always comes up whenever it's used for vision. But I want to show you some things in here today that I think is going to help you as you walk forward and step into the future that I believe God has for you. So this guy Habakkuk, okay, he's trying to figure out what's next. And this is what he writes in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. This is what he says. He says, I will stand at my guard post, and I will station myself on the wall. I will watch to see what he will say to me. That's interesting. 
I will watch to see what he will say. Why not I will listen to hear what he will say? There's so much in that. Because perhaps the way God's trying to talk to you isn't to tell you something in your ear, but it's to show you something through your life. That was worth you coming to church today. You, you, that right there was worth you getting out the bed. I know you could have rolled over. I know you could have stayed. But you came here today to hear that. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what answer I will get to my complaint. And then the Lord answered me. This is how he answers him. Write the vision. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? He didn't show him a grand future. He just says, write a vision. He didn't show him how many kids he was going to have. He didn't show him the size house, the lot in that neighborhood, what his address was going to be. He didn't show him what kind of truck he was going to be driving. Didn't show him none of that stuff. He just says, hey, get a pen and paper and write something down. Come on, God. I mean, I'm just trying to relate here. Come on, God. You know the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Why can't you just kind of help a brother out? You ever prayed that way before? Don't make me feel like I'm the only one. Amen. Thank you, sister. I appreciate somebody praying like that. The rest of y'all, y'all must not pray. <laughs> he says, write the vision, make it clear on tablets so that anyone can read it quickly. Write the vision, make it clear. Hold on, Lord. <laughs> I'm asking you to give me the vision and you make it clear so I can go do it. Am I right? Anybody's relating? Anybody getting a little angry right now? I'm trying to stir you up a little bit. Then he says, the vision will still happen at the appointed time. Appointed time. That means not now. Your kids ask you something. Can we do this? Not now. But I really want to. Not now. And really, that's like, I don't feel like answering you. Leave me alone. So if you're a kid in here and you're getting that from your parents, there you go. They didn't want to tell you that. But I'm your pastor. I love you. I'll tell you. The vision will still happen at the appointed time. It hurries towards the goal. It won't be a lie. If it's delayed, wait for it. It will certainly happen. It won't be late. And then he follows it with this. Because a lot of people stop right there in verse 3. And then it says, look at the proud person. He is not right in himself, but the righteous person will live. We'll have life. We'll have life, full of life. The righteous person will be full of life. Why? Because of his faithfulness, because of his loyalties, because of his commitments. And so, yes, we get in, like, there's got to be vision for your life, but there's got to be some faithfulness and some righteousness in your life as well. It can't just be, look at me, I have a dream. It has to be, I have a dream, I have a vision, but I'm willing to work, I'm willing to wait if I have to, I'm willing to be faithful to God, because without Him, this is not possible. Amen? Amen. Let's not lead people to believe that if I dream it, it can happen. The gap between the dream and it happening is a lot of commitment. It's a lot of faithfulness. It's a lot of hard work. And a lot of people don't want to put the work in. You got to work it. You got to work it. And I'm not trying to pop your Disney dream this morning, but I'm trying to get you to see that it's going to take some work. And a lot of time the work it's going to take is the work that God has to do in 
you. Thank you, Jesus, for working on me. So watch this. He's at his guard post. He's stationed on the wall. This represents a position of prayer. This is what this represents. This isn't just I'm being the lifeguard of my life. This is God. I am standing my post and coming to you because I need help. It's a responsibility. It's, it's not just I'll pray if I feel like it or if everything's bad. It's what I do. I station myself in prayer. And then he says, I watch to see what he will say to me. Faith is seeing the unseen. He may say it by showing you. Look at the parables. Look at the parables. He said all of that to say this. He took them through stories. It's like, Jesus, just answer the question. It's a simple question. And Jesus like, there was once a man. Are you serious, Jesus? Like, just tell me. What's he trying to do? He's trying to show you. He wants to show you. Little kids, mama, daddy, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what I can do. And then they do it. It's like, ah, I can dance. Okay, that's awesome. Sign you up for dance. It's as though he doesn't just want us to see it. He wants us to understand it. Not just so that we get it, but also so that he gets us. He will give you something if it means he gets you. He won't give you something if it means he'll lose you. I want you to think of that. The Bible does say God is jealous. Why would he give you something that he knows is going to separate you from him? Why would he do that? That just goes against his nature. So he will give you things that's going to draw you closer and closer to him. Boy, this is changing some perspectives in here. I feel it in the room. Many people see something and interpret it. But God can literally show you one word that paints a better picture than you seeing the whole picture. He can give you one word that will give you more perspective than seeing the actual picture. What it does is it gives you a perspective to see it in a way that the normal eye wouldn't see it. Y'all remember those little 3D little signs that it was like all these weird designs and you had to look at it weird, different angle, kind of like. And some of y'all never saw it, never. And so you like shaking when I bring it up because in school you got picked on because you never saw it. You're like, it's a horse. No, it's not. Yeah, it's a horse. And like, there was no horse in there. Y'all remember those little puzzle looking things? And it's like God's saying, if I can get you in this position, if I can get you over here, I can help you see this in a way that you never would have saw it over there. This blind man. It's like God said, if I can get you out of this comfort zone of where you've always been. And get you over here. You will look and see. And see things you never saw. Before. Are, are you hearing this today? Some of you. When you take a picture. You, 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 don't, you don't stand there like this. You got your side. You know what I'm saying? Your good side. Your good side. And you turn to your good side. Because that's the side you want everybody. That's the perspective you want them to have. But listen. We've seen the other side. 
So watch this. If you're trying to figure out your future, I have found that when you focus on it, it's hard to see. When all you do is just try to focus on trying to figure it out, it is so difficult to see. So the key, and I want you to write this down today. The key to what's next is what's right now. That's the key to it. Whatever you're trying to figure out next, the key to figuring out what's next is what's right now. And some of you, you know, when I said that, you're like, yep, because I got some things right now I need to figure out. And if I can, this is what we say, if I can just get this figured out, so many things are going to work, are going to fall in place. Am I right? How many of you have said that before? If I can just get this, if I can get this behind me. Some of you, you said that about Christmas, if I can get this behind me. Some of you saying that now, it's like, oh, if I could just get this new year behind me and get back in a routine, if I could just get this behind me. Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision. Here's the question, what is God showing you? What is God showing you for your life? Now, here's the thing. God might show you something, but it's not exactly what you're looking for. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, something I'm going to be speaking on soon. Beginning of this year, as we begin to pray and fast, there's been a consistency with different things that people have been sharing with us that they felt like words that God was telling them for the year, for them personally, for the church. Words like maturity. That's a strong word, am I right? Words like fruitfulness. Words like move forward. Words like advance. Listen, when you have those kinds of words that are coming from a group of people that you know that are running this race with you all together, you kind of get a picture of perhaps God is trying to show us that we're moving forward, that things are going to advance, things are going to progress. I want you to take that word, that word advance, and bring it to a person who's in a situation that they've been in for a very, very long time. And if God says advance in the middle of it your faith just jumped to a level even though you don't know what it looks like but God says hey the word I have for you this year advance the word I have for you this year move forward the word I have for you this year fruitfulness there's something that happens to our faith that rises and causes us to look at the whole entire situation differently I didn't see the future I just heard a word that calls me forward. And because there is a word that is powerful and has the backing of the Holy Spirit, it has some authority in it, it elevates my faith to believe that even though I may have been in this for a long time, it helps me know that there is a power that is available to me to help me to get past this, to get through this, and move on to what God has for me next. That's the power of the word of God. And the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone. Think about what we're working for. We're breadwinners. All we think about is what we need to do to move forward. And it's always related to the money, the finances, the career. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's why I love it when I hear people say, my word for the year is this. My word for the year is that. Because it sets a course for how God's going to lead them forward. And he says, write it down and write it big so that when you're on the run, you can see it. 
when you're running, when your schedule is crazy and you're running, you don't think you're going to make it. You just look at that word. Oh, there it is. Let's keep going because it's clear. It's obvious. What is God speaking to you? What has he been showing you the last few weeks as you've been praying and fasting? Write it down. Write it big so that you can read it as you run. What is God saying? So I'm going to give you some vision considerations today. Vision for your future. Some vision considerations. I wish I was so good that I could just tell you, the Lord wants you to do this, and this is what he wants you to do. This is how it's going to get paid for. This is all that's going to happen. You don't have to worry about anything. It's all going to, your kids are going to cooperate. Your budget is going to be fine. Like, I wish I could just sit here and tell you all that, and I can't tell you all that. I can tell you that there is a possibility that the budget might get stretched. And you didn't have to come to church to hear that. I could tell you that your kids may test you. Your spouse may test you. Am I talking to the right people today? You can say amen because I said spouse. That's husbands and wives. And if you and your wife are fighting right now, you and your husband are fighting right now, get, get through it. It won't be the last one. Amen? Amen? Don't act like you don't fight. Here's some vision considerations. Have you thought about this as you look at your future? Have you thought of these things? The first thing, who, you, who will you become? What if you get it? All of it. Who are you going to be when you get there? Like, what, what if you, everything you've ever dreamed for, you got it. That's great, but who are you with all of that? Who will you become? You might become a nurse. You may become an attorney. You may be a business owner. You might be an accountant. You might become a manager in a company. Maybe a supervisor. Maybe a chef. You may be just whatever, whatever career path you want to fill in the blank with. But as you do those things, what kind of person are you as you do them? Like, this is the, the, these are usually the things we don't think of. Like, we just think about being there, doing that, because we think it will make us happy, and making a good living doing that. But what if you've just been a miserable, per, miserable person all along the way? When you get there, what makes you think that that is going to end your misery? It's not going to. You're just going to be in a place where you got all that still miserable. Like, these are the things, like, people think we're just going to move to a new house. Listen, it's not going to change who you are. I'm going to go get a makeover. Get your makeover. But what you wearing next Tuesday? You can't wear that every day. That's weird. Seriously. Who are we becoming as these things are occurring in our life? The way that we think. How are we thinking as we take our journey into the future? What is our attitude as we take our journey into the future? What is our work ethic as we take our journey into the future? Because if those things are not where they need to be, it doesn't matter where you go with your future. If we don't become better people, if we don't grow as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as an individual, it doesn't matter where we go. We can ruin it because of who we have become. On our journey getting there. 
That's why I say this is so important to talk about because a lot of people are dreaming and they're working towards the goal. But what about working to become the kind of person they're supposed to be so that when they get there, by the way, if they get there, so that when you get there, you don't mess it up because of who you are. Because there's a lot of people that go into jobs super talented, super able, and then ruin it because they got a bad attitude. Because they're lazy. I mean, come on. This is for real, and y'all know because y'all work with these kinds of people. You're putting them on your prayer list. Who you are becoming will directly affect what you will do with your life. Who you are becoming. If you're a young person in here and you're dreaming big, let's say you're dreaming of becoming a heart surgeon, but you don't like to study. You got some work to do, honey. Am I right? Oh, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to write everything off on my taxes. Listen, first and foremost, (laughs) you better get used to writing because when you start a business, there's a lot of writing to do. Come on, any businessman in here would say amen. Amen, thank you. There's not, it's not just I want to go do this. There's an ethic to it. Every, look, I've seen it this way. Every step that God's given me, I had to grow into it. It didn't happen right away. I had to grow into it. That's why I say something we got to consider is who you're becoming. Matthew 6, 33. I I made reference to it earlier. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness. His right ways of living. Listen, you cannot cheat your way to what God has for you. You cannot sin your way to what God has for you. If you have to sin to get it, that ain't what you're supposed to get. Here's the second question, second consideration when it comes to vision. Where's God taking you? Where's God leading you? As you make decisions about your future, it's not just what we want. It's God, what do you see for us? His perspective is higher. He sees things down the road you don't see. In fact, what if you just sell yourself short? God's like, come on, man, I got more. What if? We don't see it that way. Most of the time, we're like, oh, we could just make it through. Let's have some God perspective. Where is God taking me? Now, some people just think of that in a geographical location. Could God move you to another place, another city? Maybe. That's a faith step. Could God leave you in the place that you're at now? Yeah. That can be a faith step as well. Am I right? You ever wanted to go and God said no? Some of y'all shaking your head like you wanted to go really bad. <laughs> Knowing where you're supposed to go has a lot to do with understanding why you are where you are now. Why are you where you are right now? And whenever we begin to understand the why behind it, it starts making sense. But we don't give ourselves enough patience to figure out the why because we're chasing a what. We're chasing that because if I get that, that's going to make me better. That's going to fix everything. Every location has something different, but every location has something the same. I need you to hear that. Every city has something different, and every city has something the same. You don't believe me? Pretty much every city I've been to, they have a restaurant. Everywhere I go. Now, it might be a Dairy Queen in the middle of Kentucky, 
that's barely operating. Probably a subway next to a nail salon. That's just how they roll. I think they're in the same business. I don't know. But everywhere I go, small town America, these little podunk towns, you know what I'm saying? You go through, there's a subway with a nail salon next to it. I don't get it, but there you go. Eat a sandwich, get your nails done. Everywhere has something the same. Everywhere has something different. But the one thing that is the same about everywhere you go is you. Every job, you got to work. Every job has people. Every job has some great people. Every job has some people that need prayer. Notice how I said that? No matter where you work at, the thing that is the same is you. I said it earlier, what's next starts with what's now. Here's the question. What's, what is the step that God is asking you to take right now? What is the step that God is asking you to take right now? Because it is going to be the first step into what is next. That just makes so much sense, am I right? If I can take this next step, it gets me closer to seeing what it's going to be. That's why we always ask you, what is your next step? This isn't just a program or a class that we teach, but the whole point of even that next steps class is to help you to take a next step so that you can see this is the next step. This is the next. And if you just keep stepping, you get there. What's next is determined by what's now. Now, here's the thing. We're not running from something. Amen? We're pursuing who God wants us to be, where he wants us to be, and we must learn to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Now, I wish I had the time. I don't have time today to go into all this stuff. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit some more. But if we can learn to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, we'll go places that we would never, ever be willing to go by ourselves. I promise you. Here's the next thing. Who's helping you get there? Who is going to help you get there? You can't get there by yourself. Who is going to help you to get there? There's no such thing as self-made success. We all needed people to get to where we are. All of us. You don't believe me? Ask a businessman. He needed somebody to help him. If I could just find that right person that can help me with this, it's going to change everything. I think about moms who said, if I could just get somebody to come in for a couple of hours. Amen? Dad, doing a project, if I could just get somebody to come hold this for me for like 10 minutes, this is going to change my life. Am I right? We all need someone. We need someone that's going to help us get there. In your life, it could be a teacher. It could be a coach. It could be a pastor. It could be a friend. And this is the thing that we must learn to do with those people. We must honor them. We must honor them because without them, we couldn't be where we're at today. Amen? I'm serious. We've got to give honor to some people that helped us to believe that we could when we didn't think we could. It could be, watch this. It could be a person who hurts you that helped you get where you are today. That's heavy. But had they not hurt you, you wouldn't have made the decision to follow Jesus. And your life could be a mess. It could be a complete and total wreck. I know how much we try to forget them. But if God used them to bring you into a place of freedom, if God used them to bring you to something that you couldn't have got if it wasn't for them, you will be able to look back and say, I didn't like it, but thank God for them. Because I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Amen? That's not despising them. That's just recognizing them. Amen? I think it's important to identify who's speaking into your life right now. Who's encouraging you? Who's helping you consider the directions of your life? 
Who is someone that can challenge you and even call you out? Who is that person in your life? Because a lot of times we're on the go so much, we don't have those people. And we could just be losing our minds on people and not even know it because we're just trying to get everybody to cooperate. But what if we had a good friend that says, hey, 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 whoa, you like losing it. You need to calm down. You're going to wind up saying something that's going to hurt you. Can we have friendships like that? Someone who will pray with you, someone who will pray for you, someone who will hold you accountable. When you feel like quitting, when you feel like getting, giving up, that's, the, that's what we need to get to the future. And I believe that God brings people in our lives at key times to help us make the big decisions. And in all the things that we're trying to see in our future, let's be aware of perhaps the people that God brings in our life in that moment and realize perhaps God put this person in my life right now to help me figure out what's next. I want to fin finish with this story. I've had some great relationships and some great key people in my life, and I'm so thankful for it. There was a man my dad worked with. His name was Troy Kelly. My dad led him to the Lord at work. He came over. We found out he played drums. I was just a young kid. Immediately got interested in playing music because of Troy Kelly. And he would say, hey, come to, come to rehearsal. Come sit with me and just learn. And I sat there and I'd just watch. And he would show me all these different things. That's where it began for me as a musician. That's why I'm able to play drums because Troy Kelly. I did not realize that that one step, that one person would open the door for me to recognize the call of God on my life. I didn't recognize it. Now I look back. Thank you, Jesus. You were so faithful. That one person was so instrumental in my life. My youth pastor, Greg Jones, he's one of our overseers here. He became next door, next door office at the church I worked at back in Louisiana. He was like a coach to me every day. Hey, Greg, how do you do this? How do you do that? And he just walked me through so many different things in ministry. Thank God for Greg Jones. Access right there. Timmy Strait, another one of my youth pastors. After Greg graduated and went on to full-time senior associate pastor, Timmy Strait became the youth pastor. He was the first one that gave me a microphone and said, here, speak to the young people. He was the one that helped me realize the call of God on my life. When I say realize, not just, oh, but let's take that step. He was opening the door for me to step into the ministry that God had for me. I look back at people like this man named Randy Hart, this man named Roy Domain, both mentors in my life. You know what they did? They kept me believing. God's going to put you in the ministry, and God's going to set you up for success, and we're going to give you some opportunities to do some things that's going to help you. It's all going to relate. It's all. I was 23 years old running a construction company. Roy Domain, let me do that. 27 houses in one year. What? Who does that? This man, he saw something in me and just said, hey, I'm going to take a risk with you, and it opened the door for me to become somebody I didn't know I could be. It was amazing the people that God kept putting in my life over and over and over. My dad, huge. My dad just believing constantly, giving that affirmation, giving that encouragement. Whatever we need to do, son, I'm going to help you do it. My wife just riding shotgun the whole time. Whatever God has for us to do, let's go do it. Key people in your life help you get to the future that God's got for you.
all these different people that God's put in my life, in my church, back at home, and here, that have been so instrumental in helping me have the faith to step forward. See, it's not just me and God. It's all of us together with Him. That's the beauty of the church. And I want you to know, there were so many opportunities to get offended with people. There were so many opportunities to get hurt and close the door and say, I don't need this in my life. But I realize I do need this. By the way, the Bible does say faithful the wounds of a friend. Because there are some wounds that we need. We need somebody to hurt our feelings sometimes and tell us to stop. Amen? I know that's hard preaching. That's not that acceptable stuff that everybody likes to talk about, but it's what we need to hear. And I finished with this. I was 12 years old in the youth group where I heard the Lord speak to me and told me that I was going to be a preacher one day. And I, I, I kept it to myself. Didn't want to tell anybody. But when I look back and I see how the story unfolded, our youth group used to go visit the kids that came for the first time on Wednesday night on Saturday mornings. Yeah, we go visit them. And I remember that first time I went, rode in the front of a Honda Accord with a man named Scott Bledsoe, who was just a youth leader at the time. And we went and visited Daniel Ray Lindsay. And we walked to Daniel Ray Lindsay's house, and he wasn't even awake yet. His mama woke him up, and there was a, I'm serious, there was a wild turkey figurine. Like the alcohol, the whiskey, wild turkey, it was a figurine on the top of the TV. Dog was going crazy. He was like, what have I done? Where are we? And I sat with him as we visited with this kid and reached out to him and said, hey, man, we want you to be a part of our youth group. I remember going to camp that summer. Guess whose cabin I was in? Scott Bledsoe. I didn't realize what the Lord was doing. I was just a kid in a youth group. Over and over and over. Keep running into this guy. He becomes the lead pastor of the church. The first person he hires to be his youth pastor was me. And I looked back and I was like, there was a familiarity there. There was a confidence there because I was with him in the living room. I was with him in the cabin. I was with him along the way. And so when he hired me, it was almost like it was right there all along. I just didn't realize it. I had a lot of ambition, but ambition without somebody helping you get there is a no-go. Just going to tell you. I didn't realize that in my years of ministry working with him at the church, how many doors he would open, how many conferences he would bring me to. He's brought me all over the world. All over the world. I've had, I've had people speaking to my life all over the world. Why? Because of this one man. Because of him. Things I didn't even ask for, the Lord put on his heart to do that he did. When we started the church, I remember when we, we were trying to figure out where, he helped us figure out this place. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here today. He helped us figure it out. Not only did he help us figure it out, I remember sitting across the table from him at Starbucks. He said, listen, the first check to help you guys get started, we're going to write. We needed to raise $30,000 for Ark to be a partner with us. He said, we will write that check. That's impressive. The reason I tell you that story is because there are people that God's putting in our life that you might be mad at because they hold you accountable. You might be mad at because they challenge you. You might get mad at because it seems like they're not interested in what you want to do, but they're so focused on what God wants you to do. But I need you to see that God uses people to help you get to what's next. And it's so important that you and I identify those people in our lives or else we try to forge this journey on our own and wind up in places where we have to call them back and say, hey, can you help me? 
So this morning, as we share this message about the future, again, I wish I could tell you all the things that God's got for you, but these are the things you need to think about. These are the things to consider. Who am I becoming? Who's leading me? And who's helping me to get there? If you get those things figured out, you're going somewhere. And not only will you go, you'll bring some people with you. I've seen it in my own life. And God's not finished because we're still going. And I just feel like I'm a bus driver saying, y'all get in and let's go somewhere. Big wheel. Let's roll. Bow your heads this morning. We got to go. I'm over my time as usual. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you did in this message, in this service today. Lord, this isn't the end of this message. This is just the beginning of what you want to do in us as we walk out of these doors this morning. Father, lead us and direct us. I pray, God, that we won't isolate. I pray that we won't let things like offense cause us to walk away from the plans that you have for us or the people even that you have for us. I pray forgiveness will flow. If you're here today and you're away from God and you know it, you sense it in your heart and you're here today and you know you got to get close to God, I want you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Everyone's going to pray it together. Say, Dear Lord, forgive me of my sins. I've been away, but today I'm coming home. I ask you to make me a new person, to change me, not just what I do, but who I am. I surrender all to you. I confess that you're my Lord, you're my Savior, and I choose now to live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen.